Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. So from the beginning of this podcast, my goal has always been to share inspiring messages and and tell stories of of heartache, decision-making, and positive mind shifts. My goal has also been to bring on guests who have inspired me and who have impacted my life in a positive way and whom I feel have been my teachers in life. And today, I have a very special guest who has done just that. My guest today is a a very good friend. His name is Ryan Snow. Ryan is a former national freestyle ski team athlete turned high performance coach, just like myself. I had the privilege to work with him for about four years. And quite honestly, he remains to this day, the best assistant slash team leader slash partner in crime that I've ever worked with. Little did I know that during this time there were many things spiraling down in his life. And he is here today to tell his story. It's a powerful story with a powerful message that anyone can shift their vibration into a higher, more conscious awareness, and that anyone can live their truth and find happiness no matter what life has presented to them. Before we get started, I must put a little disclaimer that this podcast does contain offensive language and adult content, so listeners' discretion is advised. Here we go. All right, um, we're recording. Hi, Ryan. How's it going? It's going really good. How are you doing, Elisa? I'm excellent. You know, you're my very first Skype interview for my podcast, which is really exciting. (laughs) I'm excited for you too because uh, you know we're all the way across the country, and how sweet is that that we can see each other? I know. And talk <laughs> and yeah, yes. Over the internet. So for the record, um, Ryan lives um, out west in Calgary. I'm in Ottawa here. I'm looking at him. We're on Skype, and um, I brought Ryan on the show because he is a very close friend of mine. I was actually thinking about this last night when I was preparing for for this podcast. I was like, I wonder how long I've actually known you for. And I I think like I made team, Ryan and I were both on the national freestyle ski team. I was a mogul skier. He was an aerialist. And we, I, I made the team in 1998, which you were on the team at that point, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so I think we met like twenty freaking years ago. Can you believe that? I know, that? isn't that crazy? <laughs> We've <laughs> that is actually really crazy. A bunch of these memories just flooded back about all the ridiculous times back then. Good times. <laughs> I know there were um, quite a few. I was like, maybe I shouldn't mention any of the things we used to do back then. But well, I don't know, know, like yeah, Lake Placid fifth. Fifth wheel date with your friend, <laughs> Ryan Blake. Yes. Yeah. That was that was quite a time. Lake Placid, oh my God. That could be a whole other podcast. Though. Yeah, it really could. <laughs> but anyways, um, so 
in addition to that, Ryan and I have actually worked together on the coaching side. We both um, moved into high performance coaching post um, our athletic careers. And um, it was at that point that I think you and I became like more close friends and got to know each other quite a bit. But I brought you on the show because um, we, we've we been through some times and we have a lot in common and you have quite the story. From, do. You yep. do, they, you uh, do. Life unfolded in a very interesting manner for me. So, Absolutely. so let's just get right into it then. Let's talk okay. about it. Um, yeah, so um, this is the first time that I've ever told anybody actually outside of like super close friends, like maybe 10 people know about my story. And I think actually you would be surprised about how long that was, it was going on for. Right. Uh, but I'm just recovering from a pretty serious drug addiction. And, uh, I was not your stereotypical or actually kind of am your stereotypical drug addict where I did it all in secret and was all alone pretty much the whole time. And, uh, yeah, it really spiraled downhill to, to this, like, where I got caught, and then it, like, became this thing, like, lost family, lost, pretty, pretty much lose everything in the end, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting story how it happened. So let's start and, at the uh, beginning. Let's start at the I beginning. I was successful throughout the whole time, and uh, I never actually really lost my house and stuff like that. I never kind of had to do that part of it right. until I started to change because I lost my family. That was my rock bottom. And, uh, yeah. Uh, do you want me just to chat about how that all (laughs) unfolded? 100%, whatever. Absolutely. Like, I think you have a super strong message. You're one of the most courageous people that I know. And I mean, even while this was all going on, like, I know you and I, we had like really, um, spiritual conversations about like, you know, the secret, not like the, like the book, the secret. Remember we would have those. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. So, and, um, yeah, I believe that, uh, spirit had a lot to do with my, uh, recovery. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a dominant, <laughs> non-denominational, yeah. uh, but there's something bigger than yourself. And when I was just in myself and feeling all this blame and shame and yeah. just unbelievable heartache, all of that, uh, I would just turn my back on that part of my life or that part of myself, I guess I should say. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just became so easy to become indifferent without that because it's just you and your problems, yeah. you know? And, uh, once you're in that space, it's, is really hard to get out unless you have something you're like, Oh, maybe I could get a little help from somebody and like some, something or however you want to look at it. And then, you know, you can give yourself the power to make that change for yourself. Okay, um, so let's go back to the the very beginning. So I'm. Yeah. Let's talk about you know. Let's talk about you as an athlete, even. Okay. Yeah. So here's here's what. Well, even go back a little farther than that. Two bad things really happened when I was younger. I kind of. We don't need to get into that part, but uh, yeah. I kind of grew up without uh, parents for till I was about eleven or twelve, or from six to eleven or twelve. Okay. So uh, those things weren't my fault, but I blame myself for them. And it kind of, like, that's where my self-worth and everything was came from, right? Of course. And uh, fast forward this uh, to me being an athlete. I was pretty good as an athlete, but I never felt, like, confident or, you know, like, all of these things that these, like, everybody that becomes really, really good has. And 
I just always, like, I even felt bad for, like, doing well and having other people not do well. Like, there was, like, all this self-defeating Yeah, so there was, like, a fear stuff. of success and fear of failure in there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. And just, like, yeah, fear of everything. And I did aerials, which is, like, this crazy <laughs> sport. And, like, at the top, you're, like, like you just block it off. You know, like, oh, no, I can do this. And, bam, boom, big crash. And, like, there's a lot to be scared of, you know? Uh, yeah, it's um, a very high-risk sport. <laughs> for anyone that yeah. doesn't know what aerials is, it's a freestyle event where you're hitting... Um, these massive kicker jumps going, you know, 60, 70 kilometers an hour, flipping and twisting, you know, three to five times. And you're landing on a pitch that's like 40 degrees. It's like straight downhill almost. And uh, you definitely need a, a lot of guts and will and and commitment and <laughs> all you name it. This sport is it has it. It's a very high risk, high risk sport. Yeah, it's super fun. We did, we did some really great stuff with it. But uh, so uh, two things happened there. Like this has been a little life perspective journey for me, I guess. Two things happened there. I, I won the uh, NORAM Cup, didn't make the team, which like I think I'm the only athlete never to have done that because I don't know. There's like politics involved and whatnot. But anyway, I took that and instead of like dri- making it drive me more, I kind of let it defeat me. And then I did the sport for a long time. Uh, kind of delusional, like thinking I would be able to make the Olympics and stuff like that. Cause everybody else was like, there were some really, really good people. I was probably like the only four people get to go. I was yeah. eighth or ninth, you know? And uh, yeah. And then it just like, I spiraled down and I let that kind of set the tone for when I retired. So, so you retired, I tried to be like in my head, like in that part of your brain where you're like living life. Yeah. I was like trying to make myself happy all the time, but I'd wake up in the morning be like, oh, you're such an idiot. You're such a dumbass. Like, how could you fail? Like, all that stuff was just constantly going through my head. And, like, I am sitting there trying to be like, no, uh, you're good. It's okay. Look at the beautiful day. Look at the stars. Look at blah, blah, blah. But, like, you don't feel that at the soul level. Uh, mostly because I didn't recognize the soul level of anything. So sure. I uh, just, yeah, like, my self-hatred, uh, I guess you could say, yeah. was pretty extreme. And yeah. uh, that kind of led how things went for me for a while. Like I was just hanging on to happiness for a while. Like, but on the outside, it looked really great. I was like, I had some friends. I'd go out all the time. Yeah. I had great jobs. I coached for the U.S. ski team, coached for the Australian ski team. So this was like post your athletic career as well. So this was like right. while you were an athlete, you did you ever like so you were on Team Canada um, right. for how long? Like eight years or something? Nine eight years. Yeah. Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. yeah. And then and you then, went on to coach, yeah. Yeah, and then moved on to coaching. And, uh, yeah, I was in. The, I was depressed. And uh, I never really actually recognized it, didn't ever want to own it, didn't kind of, didn't even believe that it was a thing, you know? Like, you're like, because I was just kidding myself. I was kidding myself at how great life was because the rest of my life was actually pretty good, mm-hmm. except for inside, you know? Right. I met this beautiful woman, uh, my wife, slash, it's a little complicated right now because of the drug addiction thing, but... <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, we like, yeah, I did the circus, the Ringling Brothers Circus. There's like all this super, super cool stuff I had. Still traveling the world a lot. Um, and now you were doing the circus. Let's just touch on that for a little bit. So you were like, um, you were jumping, you were doing acrobatics in the circus. And that was yeah. during your career as an athlete as well as coaching. Is that correct? Yeah, like, that was during my career, yeah. And then, yeah. Um, so it was only for two years, and uh, it was in the Ringling Brothers Circus, and it was during my career, kind of like during the time that we weren't doing anything between summer training and winter training. Correct. Okay. And uh, yeah, 
met this Brazilian dancer. She was like wore the feathers and did the like yeah you know, yeah the thing, amazing. The elephants, I remember uh, I remember her <laughs> pictures. Oh my god, she's stunning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah, we actually moved her up to Canada, and um, that's kind of where I moved into coaching. Was after after that things like I was just going to try to move on with my life. You know, like it wasn't going to be. But this was all like in that little. Like, I wasn't super mad at myself at this point. It was just like, meh, you know? So when you like, decided to quit skiing, as a, like when yeah. you decided to retire from your from your career, did you yeah. know that you wanted to get into coaching or was that sort of like a gray area where you just didn't really know what to do with your life? Oh, totally didn't know what to do with my life at all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I kind of fell into it and I ended up being pretty good at it. So yeah, you're an, kinda, you're an excellent <laughs> coach. You're very good. <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, yeah, it's just like you fall into things. And it's probably like, I'm, I find myself as a great teacher. Yes. Probably what it should have been what I was doing the whole time, but it's okay. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. You're always like finding your way through the journey. Okay. So you're and, coaching, uh, you're coaching for team USA. What's happening? Yeah. Or were you with us first and then Australia? No, Australia first, but Australia doesn't really have a lot to do with it. U.S. ski team uh, coaching there. And uh, one of the things that happened there was uh, a friend took his own life. And I know I shouldn't have taken it personally, but I did take it personally because he, like, let me live in his house for a while for free. It was actually, like, a long time, almost six months. And I I knew he he had some problems. I never talked to him about it. I never opened up to him about it. And uh, it impacted me a lot more than I ever would have thought because it happened. And I just like moved right back into life, like just right back into coaching, you yes. know, like and was trying to help everybody else out because it was like a U.S. ski team thing and it was like a big deal. And just kind of brushed it away. But like my drinking really started to escalate at that point. I was like, you know, I never used to drink at home. And then uh, I never even had beers in the fridge. All of a sudden, I'm going out all the time. I'm, yeah. like, not sleeping. And, like, I'm sitting in the dark. Like, like you know, like, I look back on that time. I was like, geez, like, why did you just shake yourself? But you just can't. You don't know because you're just in it. You know? Absolutely. And I felt really alone. Um, and it was just, it was a hard time. So, like, when you're, when, and then a bunch of this stuff started happening because you start pulling all of this crap in. You start pulling in what you feel you deserve. Yeah, well, absolutely. Like losing a friend, no matter what the situation is definitely, uh, it's, it's very traumatic. I mean, this, this, this particular death, it ricocheted through the freestyle community, like through all the nations, there was a lot of, it was, it was a big one. It was a big one, especially with you. Like he was a friend. He was a, he was a, a, you coached him, didn't you? Yeah. We were working with the uh, 2010 Olympics. I watched him win that silver medal. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just not really in a good headspace for a long time after that. And then, uh, yeah, just life really started to unfurl at that point. Kind of this guy, they like put this big, anyway, lost my job at the U S ski team. Okay. Um, and then started this thing up in Brazil and, yeah. uh, it was so good. And, and we qualified two girls for the Olympics uh, in one year, it was amazing. We took these people that had no, never even seen snow before and qualified them for the Sochi Olympics in, uh, in one year. It was amazing. Yeah, so that was and the then, 2014 yeah. Olympics, just for the people that aren't yeah. entirely sure. And you, just to go back, went to Brazil because your wife's Brazilian, you have a right. connection there, and they were looking to start this team. So right. you took on yeah. this massive project. Like, it was... 
a huge it was big. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was a lot bigger than I had thought. Yeah, and a lot harder to do in Portuguese than in English. <laughs> <laughs> How is your Portuguese now? Is it getting better? Uh, well, yeah, it's still very poor. And actually, like this, I kind of like spiraled down a little bit because uh, we hired this English translator because it. Um, yeah, the girls said they didn't understand me, which is probably true. So, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyway, this girl, uh, one of the girls, uh, skied into the trees at Deer Valley when we were just skiing. It wasn't doing, we weren't doing the sport. Are we Are we allowed to say her name here? Like, do we want to talk about that or no? Um, I don't know. If, I don't know, because I haven't talked to her in a long time. Okay. So, okay, uh, so we'll, sure. she, she will remain nameless. So maybe let's just paint this picture a little bit more because so you were coaching her, you were teaching her how to ski. So you guys were just learning how to ski because this is a, this is a gymnast, a trampolinist, right? A gymnast. gymnast. um, This is actually, she'd already qualified for the games. Okay. So this is right before the Olympics, like literally a week before we leave to go. And this was a a training camp and you were skiing in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she skis into the trees. And quadriplegic breaks her, or dislocates her neck, actually. Yes. And, uh, oh this my was God, the on your... I felt for this was unbelievable. My self-hate yeah. just launched the roof. Like, I couldn't, it was crazy. And to, Because you, you know, felt like, responsible because you were I coaching her. I was there yeah. skiing with her. I was, I feel like I was responsible for her. Yes. But uh, I couldn't be in her and make her not ski in the trees. Like, I couldn't, I don't know. Anyway, there's lots to, there's, any circumstance has... Lots of blame to pass. And believe me, there was a lot of people that were not afraid to blame me for it. <laughs> I can tell you that. Absolutely. And uh, so this just like, you know, it's easy for me to say I don't blame myself for it. But it's, God, my inner world was just black for a really long time. And this is where it kind of goes downhill a lot for me because it turned my self-hatred into indifference. Like, because I just couldn't even. Interesting. Yeah, I couldn't even think of like I like I couldn't bear myself so much that I couldn't even care enough to hate myself. It was like this, in, it was crazy. Like I I couldn't believe how sad and like how just indifferent to things I was at that point. It was just un it was unbelievable. And then I, I get this girl to like the other girl to the games. I'm dragging her there. This is like the only purpose I have at this point. Yeah, and I'm just like scrounging for myself every single day. And this psychiatrist tries to figure out what actually happened that day. And he attacks me for, uh, for like his accident, calling me not a ski instructor, blah, 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 like all this like bullshit. And I, and I took it personally and I got really mad, but that anger was like, it hurt me like deep on the soul level, like unbelievable. It took me back to the shit that happened when I was six years old and it just, Yeah. I could not see any light after I left that Olympics. It was unbelievably crazy how I felt. And then I just feel this responsibility for Brazil and like keeping the program going. Yes. They're making decisions without me now because of the accident and they're not being honest with me. All of this shit. And I'm away all the time. I have no one to talk to because everybody speaks Portuguese. I'm only English speaker. Yeah. So, so that, that's a really good point too, because like, so coaching you're on the road you were on the road uh, quite a bit like you were also working with alberta team at that point like with me on the side so i bet you were gone like 260 days a year oh easy like so you're literally always on the road and and also to go back like i i remember having conversations with you um about this accident because i mean we 
we played hockey with those girls. Like you remember when we were in Whistler, like the Alberta team and the Brazilians, um, we were, we were playing hockey. We were, you know, doing our drylands and stuff together. And so like, it was, it was, it was another colossal, um, um, accident that did ricochet through, through freestyle yet again. (laughs) And of of course, like you are like involved in this. And I, when, as a coach, like if anyone ever got hurt on my watch, whether they blew their knee or they even got like a scrape or a cut or they, you know, whatever got like a concussion or smacked themselves on the water ramps, like nothing like it, you, it's very challenging not to, you know, blame yourself. So going through this and like having a girl have such an extreme injury, um, it's, it is, it is not your fault. You can't control them, but I can totally see how you can let people convince you that it was because it's, right. it's such a sensitive thing. Like someone's life changed, but it wasn't just her life that changed. It was also yours. Like it's. Yeah, it was a, uh, it's a thing. It's, it's a, a real thing. thing. You can never have the perspective of how somebody is inside. I can tell you that. So, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know if it was because I just, didn't want people like I don't know why I always put on such a sunny exterior but yeah. after that like we were working together in Whistler and uh yeah I was already becoming an addict at that point like I was you know and uh, like I would imagine you wouldn't have seen me as an addict when we were working together in, in Whistler yeah but I was using drugs to make myself feel better uh at that point it wasn't like an everyday thing or anything like that but uh it was how I was continuing to move forward and like to be a part of things as I had to do that stuff, you know, like, and, uh, the last summer we were together and I was trying to start running. I was like, really? Like those yes. were my last graphs of, I remember that because we used to run shape. together. We were running together. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, those, that me running was literally my last graphs at like trying to stay as a person, like I was like, fuck, I have to do something like life is just like you're in Whistler, the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah. And you're grumpy. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. how in the hell can you do that? There's so much beauty there. It's retarded. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's you know, the beauty is literally in the eyes of a beholder. If you aren't if you have no capacity to take in love and beauty, it's life can't be that way. So, uh, yeah, I was trying so hard to try and get out of this funk. Yeah. My, my memory of that was that there were some like pretty intense party nights. Like there was, I, I had, I looking back, I can, there are some definite like red flags, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, we spent so much time together. I was, I was like, again, like looking back, I understand, but like in the time, like I was partying with you and I mean, there were some times where maybe you didn't come home or whatever, but we all knew so many people in Whistler at the time that it was like, it wasn't like a concern for me, you know? Right. And I never, like, like I feel I really didn't. Yeah. That was like my thing is not to concern anybody with my problems. You know, like I was dealing with this shit and I just actually thought that was how life was supposed to be in like, in one way I, I just expected it because so much shit. Like I was, I'm overstepping like, I don't know, another hundred things that were super, super gnarly (laughs) that created this self-hatred and stuff like that, you know? Um, But anyway, we're fast forwarding through the addiction. I, 
the like, program in Brazil kind of starts to not do very well because they just aren't taking the care of the athletes. This girl, Josie, like, um, she made it really hard for the team to be successful because she would scare every athlete about what happened. She would tell people how scary and bad it was. And like all, like every athlete I had come in, came in with this fear. So this program was just, it was crumbling and I had a lot of time off. And then all of a sudden I was just left with myself at home for a long time. And this is where the addiction really kind of got going, I guess. And I don't know, I don't remember how exactly I started getting drugs because I'm terrible at buying drugs. Like if it, if I had to go find some on the street, I, I'm just, I just can't do it. I'm horrible at it. <laughs> are you, are you going to tell, like, do you feel comfortable telling what kind of drugs you were doing? Oh yeah. We're going to go through this because it's, okay. it's, it's, it's funny how it unfurled, right? Well, not really funny, but so I started like with party drugs, with drinking and like cocaine. Yeah. And, uh, this was like fun. And like when I was in Whistler and like blah, 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 blah. And then I don't know how I got meth at one point, Yeah. but Anyway, that was the first drug I was really addicted to, and I would do meth every single day for a long time, like, I don't know, maybe maybe a year, not a long time, but a year. And then, I don't know what happened, but um, I like, woke up one day, I'm like, fuck, if you get caught as a meth addict, can you believe how bad that's going to be? That was my thought process, and then I got back so you, into cocaine. So, so, you had, so you had that thought come in, you had that thought, like... I can't be a meth addict. <laughs> it's just like so funny. Like that's how much my concern for what other people thought of me was so huge that I decided to change my drug addiction because I didn't want to get caught as a meth addict. I was like, like so you went back to I don't want to stop doing drugs. I just want to not be caught doing a dirty drug. <laughs> Interesting. Like, like cocaine's much better. Anyway, so yeah. So now I'm doing uh, now I'm doing cocaine, and uh, my wife. Um, she like catches me a couple times. She's like, and then she's like, why are you snorting all the time? Why are you snorting all the time? So at this point, like when you're in this thing, you, you don't really see like the part about it. Is it actually, like, I was indifferent to yeah. myself yeah. so much hatred that the drugs actually only brought me up to a self hate. So I still hated myself yeah. and like, it was, it wasn't like I would, it made me happy and like, it was awesome. It made it so that I could like actually feel life. You could tolerate at some point. And then it gave me somebody to talk to or somebody like most of the time I did it by myself, but like drug dealers would come by or whatever, you know? So, um, yeah. So anyway, this is how it gets into like a real thing is like, it, and actually I had done cocaine in the past and I thought that I could quit it. That was the other thing is like math. I was like, holy fuck, I'm doing this every day. And it's really scary. Like the point when you realize you have an addiction and you're doing it every day is terrifying. It's unbelievably scary. You feel like you don't have control of your life anymore. So you're like, what the fuck? Oh my God. It's just, it's the worst. It's the absolute worst thing. That feeling I remember uh, overwhelming me a little bit. And like, you know, the guilt and shame just freaking piles on. Um, Can we we go back? I just want to ask you a question because- Like for me, um, um, it's, it's kind of a hard question to, for me to ask for some reason, but like there's, it's pretty commonly known that meth is a highly addicted, addictive drug. Right. You know, it's in, it's in that big time drug category. And so I, I oftentimes wonder like, what, what was the decision-making process? Like, why did you agree to do it in the first place? Like, did you not even give a shit or were you just needing something or what was it yeah uh well 
I look back now and probably the decision was, is, uh, I need something to make me feel happy. I can't stand myself. I cannot stand myself the way that I am right now. I cannot, like, I just can't, I can't go on. I'm looking for something and I look at math and you look at math and I think there's probably about 40 different things that go into your decision. You're like, well, I want to, I want to destroy my life. I want to blah, blah, blah. I'm not I'm too big a pussy to like end my own life, all this shit, you know? And you're like, well, what's yeah. a good way to get there? Math. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a lot of things subconsciously that go into that decision and, uh, yeah. your brain. And did they, like, all those not, things go through your mind? Like before yeah, totally. you did it? Like, yep. And you're like, you, yeah, you're not thinking in a normal way like in depression or whatever it is you I don't know what it was because I've never actually gone to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist but it was yeah like the way you think up here like a pretty smart guy and the actions you do you know like you're just trying to hang on at some points and survive and I had no uh base of like um self-care none I didn't understand self-care at all like I just like I would go to the gym I'd actually couldn't go to the gym because I had so little energy. Yeah. I just hated it, you know, like I hated the people I was at the gym with because I had to go work out with the athletes and like yeah. they were fucking always just be like just fucks with you when you're there. Yeah. And all this shit, you know, like at one point I was almost 200 pounds. It was like, yeah. you know what I mean? I do, just I remember. Do you remember that? I do. I had this big fat face and it was, yeah, <laughs> it was funny. It's on my driver's license still. It reminds me every day. <laughs> okay, so. It, um. Yeah, so that's the decision basically there is like you're just looking for something uh, like I don't understand exactly why I started doing it because it is known that you're going to lose all your teeth and it's shitty. But yeah. then you do it and it's like it. I, I don't even remember actually liking the high. I think that I was in it for the self-harm. Interesting. In, in one way, right? And that's why I could wake up from it because I didn't like I woke up from it thinking like, fuck, I can't, <laughs> I cannot get caught with this right yeah and i'd also lost control i'd lost control you had lost control yeah where so were then, you where were you in zermatt when you when we went to zermatt the last time we were in switzerland and you were super sick was that drug related yeah 100 percent. yeah i was uh full-on uh withdrawal from meth that week okay yeah so yeah it was shitty i'm sorry i did that but uh no no yeah where I was in my life right then. That was a, and, uh, that was a crazy yeah, that was camp. Like, that was like how I did life. It was like I'd go for a camp for a couple of weeks and I'd be clean. I'd come back and I was just like, like stupid. You're like, you know, you're, you're free of it, but you're not free of it because you're, you never actually made the steps inside to free yourself of all that fucking shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, I transitioned back to cocaine and this is like the last year of my addiction. Um, get caught snorting it and then i'm like oh well you know i can't start it anymore guess i'll have to start smoking it so i started cooking it up into crack and uh so what's the then, difference what's what does that mean exactly i don't well, know what that like, means there's three different ways to do cocaine you can snort it well there's probably a hundred different ways i don't know but you can <laughs> snort it you can cook it up into a rock and you smoke it like out of a crack pipe yeah and then you can inject it okay and uh yeah like in the end, I really, I honestly, really probably was just trying to kill myself because yeah. it was getting so shitty. And uh, so I started smoking it. Wife would catch me. And uh, <laughs> and then she's like, well, why are you smelling like smoke? And then I look online and I'm like, I find out you can inject it. And I was like, oh, fuck. Shit. Okay. 
this is probably a really bad decision. Every single thing I looked at online was like, you're going to lose your house. You're going to lose, you're just going to lose everything. It's the worst, it's the worst option you can ever do to, to yourself is inject drugs. And we're like, yeah, fuck. Okay. Well, it's my only option. I can't smell like smoke and I can't sniff like, <laughs> cause I can't call allergies in the winter, blah, blah, blah. So, right. uh, yeah, I start that and then it's really like, that is something that just pulls you. It's a totally different high. It's, yeah, I mean, it brought me to the brink of destruction, for sure. Um, and, yeah, then I get caught with needles out. All this stuff happens. You're, you're getting caught by your wife. Uh, I got caught by my mom, actually. Okay. Probably, <laughs> probably much worse, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then my wife would catch me, and I'd try to be clean. No, and But... The thing is, is about that is they want, they're scared too. So they catch you, they're scared, they're ashamed because you became a drug addict. They feel shitty for all of these things that have happened. But from their point of view, it's like, from my point of view, I was like, fuck, you know, like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm not hurting you doing this shit, but I was hurting them. And, uh, yeah. Because anyway. you feel like it's your cross to bear. It's your burden. It's not anyone else's. Mm-hmm. But the key to it is knowing that those people are there for you. Of course. You know? And, uh, yeah, so <clears throat> here's where the healing begins and how life starts to get really good. Yes, let's talk uh, about that. Okay, I've, I've lost everything. I've got been kicked out of my house. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. I, I, at, at this point, I had no idea this was going on. Um, right. I, yeah, I had no idea that this was going on. I, I, so where did you go? Um, right. So this, <laughs> this is where it's really bad. I, I can't do, not do it. Uh, and so you're, like you're so try, addicted like, that you can't not do it. You're so addicted. Right. Okay. And it's, it's funny. Like I, yeah, I felt that I could not do it. Right. right. And, sure. uh, super crazy addiction. I had athletes coming up for camp. Couldn't be an addict in front of them, especially how I was now. I was like a junkie. Yeah. It just looks bad. You can't <laughs> talk to people. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so these people come up for camp, and I decide to go away uh, to rehab. Okay. So that, and, yeah, that's where, like, I think you found out. A few, a couple people found out at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh... Did you want to go to rehab? Was that your decision? Um, in the end, it was. So I went to this first rehab. And again, I'm doing it so that my mom would feel better. Okay. You know, and uh, it was shitty. They locked me in this room uh, with a, a Netflix iPad <laughs> for three days so I could get through withdrawal. And I'm like, this is the fucking worst place ever. Leave that place in three days. Stupid. So dumb. Like, Why, why was it dumb? Was, why was it dumb? Uh, well, because like my addiction came from uh, hatred of self. And I don't know about you, but if you're going to hate yourself, there's no better way, way to do it than to lock yourself in a dark room with an iPad with Netflix. Okay. You're just watching that, that, drug movies. Gotcha. You're like alone. You have no one to talk to. Like I already was alone. But if I'm alone with drugs, then I'm high. Yeah. If you're alone with yourself going through withdrawal, it's the fucking worst. Actually, yeah. that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're the gone. absolute worst. And they lied. They, they actually drugged me there. I don't know what they put me on, but um, they're like, no, no, it's just an antihistamine. And I'm like, I take this thing. And I'm pretty sure it was a tranquilizer to put, like, just make me sleep it off or whatever. Sure. Sure. 
But I'm just like, holy fuck, I'm high again. Yay! <laughs> For like, you know, half an hour I was awake. Anyway, it was like so funny. It was just so anti-help. Interesting. Like they, were, they were just trying to do things to try and get you. Like they weren't, I'm sure that's how they view help. But it was it didn't help me. It wasn't okay. my thing. So um, leave that place in three days. And uh, my mom finds this place in BC. It's called the Chopra uh, Addiction and Wellness Center. Okay. And uh, the place is amazing because uh, it actually taught me self-care. It, it, taught, it taught me that I have a choice about my life and uh, that, you know, mindfulness is a thing like I could think about my life for two seconds holy shit you know like wow yeah. I never even would have thought yeah so anyway I went to this place uh and they actually don't talk about your addiction there so much you know like they teach you all of these new tools like you meditate twice a day yoga twice a day Ayurveda uh, uh vegetarian lifestyle yeah it could be vegan I don't know about it. I ate cheese there so I don't know exactly okay. how that works yeah um but and just the most beautiful people ever like you can like I went in there and I didn't go through one day of withdrawal it was just interesting beautiful. yeah and, and like you walk in the place and everybody there was just like we understand my first meeting with my like my counselor there yeah he just gives me this piece of paper and it says uh compassion love somebody he's just like give yourself five minutes man just just love yourself for five fucking minutes. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and five I went, minutes. I went, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so anyway, I actually learned that I can uh, take care of myself and live a life the way that I want to live it. I don't have to live it. I was actually kind of living my life on everybody else's terms of what I thought they thought of me. And instead yeah. of living my life inside, I'd living this life to make it look like I had a good life on the outside where I didn't even ever pay attention on what was going on inside. It was just, I was literally living the Facebook life where yeah. <laughs> everything outside is great. Everybody, everything inside is horrible. And and how long did it take you to, to recognize that? Was that like an immediate thing once you arrived at this place or did it, did it know. really not? Yeah. How... Like that's only been going on for the last like three months or so because like you like I was think about like you're at zero like when I go to rehab I think drugs are the answer yeah honestly you know I have no idea what life is I had like I did all these amazing things but I never actually paid attention to them you know like it was like this is what I'm supposed to do get a good job help all these athletes and like it on the outside it looked like I was doing like all of these things that were that if I was in that place now I would actually appreciate and understand how cool they were. But as they were before, it was just something I was doing to survive life. Yeah. Like, think about it. I went to two Olympics, and they weren't that fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, just something, oh, my athlete made it here, sweet, cool. It was like, it wasn't like I never actually got to enjoy them. Um, or like anything I was doing, like helping someone ski for, ski for the first time, or like having someone win medals, or like all of these things, I never actually got to appreciate it. I actually felt sorry that I was doing, I don't know. I, it was like a. And this was because you had no confidence. You had, it was just for someone else. It wasn't for you. It was just for someone else. Like I, yeah, I had never paid attention to my own life really, you know? And, uh, I didn't understand like how meditation and yoga and how that leads. Like 
you know, like people can actually do those things and never pay attention to their life too, because they don't have that catalyst. Like, uh, my drug addiction was an amazing catalyst for me to actually live a life of happiness and to understand that we're born here with free will. It's your choice. You're given all of these things through your life and it's up to you to embrace them for what they are. Either good, there's no actually good or bad. It's just something that happens that you get to experience the way that you want. And you can experience it as good or as bad, no matter what the situation is. That's right? beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I know. And uh, so now, like, um, we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit. Uh, well, actually, no, this is kind of the meat of it, I guess. Okay. Because <laughs> um, this is where the recovery actually happens. I was given all these tools. Um, and I felt so fucking good. It was crazy. Like, I actually felt, like, true friendship love for the first time at that Chopra Center. Like, that, you know, there was nothing sexual going on, like, with anybody there. It was just, like, I could actually like people and like myself, which was... That's what that place gave me. How it long were you there me, for? Sorry. To uh, I was there for three weeks. I probably should have been there for four weeks, but it's pretty expensive and I'd spent all my money on drugs. Um, so. <laughs> so, so when, so when did you start to feel this? Like how long were you there before you were, had some awareness? Oh, and while I was there, like I just felt really good. Yeah. You know, like okay. I didn't even actually understand what it was yet, but Under- okay. it gave me that break. It's, yeah, like we're out in nature. I'm out meditating and like feeling the energy of the earth and like all of this stuff. It was just, it's just a beautiful connecting beautiful to yourself. Place. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I leave there, come back, uh, walk into my house, and my wife and her in laws are there. Instant like wave of shame like came over me like a tidal wave, like unbelievable. I actually felt it like rolling in from an ocean and like crush me, just like. Boom, I never even got to say hi to my wife before I saw the in-laws. And that, like, I don't really know the in-laws because they speak Portuguese, I speak English. And just this wave of shame hit me like a ton of bricks instantly back into the addiction. So you went back into the mindset of the addiction instantly. Yeah, like it just instantaneous. I didn't have a choice of how that was supposed to feel. I felt it happen and I could have made the choice, but I wasn't healed. Like I didn't give myself the opportunity to actually heal i got a bunch of tools right like because i'm drug addict yeah three week break of learning all this amazing stuff right back into my environment boom slammed like a freaking rock yeah so did you want to go so did you start using again i started using again and it was shitty because i was hiding it and i was like i was really good at making people think that i was uh, i was good you know i'm just like yeah most addicts are yeah Put a cocaine in my arm, not a big deal. Hide for half an hour, like it's fine. Um, so you were shoot. Yeah. You went straight to like shooting it right away, like as soon as you got well, home. Well, yeah, like uh, the difference in how that drug is administered it makes a huge difference. Like the shooting it is just a whole thing. It's just like that's why it's so hard to get out of it because it's a rush or whatever. I don't know what it is, but it is totally, totally different. Okay. It takes you over. Anyway, um, so I'm doing this and. Uh, trying to get clean and now I'm actually feeling worse because I have all these tools and blah, 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 blah. And then I go to, um, I'm like having glimmers of hope here and there. Glimmers of hope. You know, I'm thankful because my mom like was following this thing and instead of doing the 
abandoned me thing. She actually gave me compassion and understanding and like yeah. love. She yelled at me a lot, but like yeah. I knew that she was always there for me. She let me stay at her house, <laughs> you know, yeah. while I was going through all this and shit. And uh, yeah, and it killed her inside, but she really gave me the love that I needed. So um, I tried two more things to help me uh, find my spirituality. So I fly to Costa Rica and I go to this place where they, um, it's called Rhythmia. Okay. Uh, they give you ayahuasca. What's so that? I go on what's, this what's, ayahuasca journey. What's ayahuasca? Ayahuasca is this uh, spiritual plant medicine from Peru okay. or from Colombia or Peru, or that whole area down there. But anyway, they, it's a uh, hallucinogenic uh, spirit thing. But I actually believe it gives you a view into spirituality. Okay. Like if you take it in a ceremonial way and like you're under, that's what you're looking for. Uh, it's probably like that with all hallucinogens, but it uh, gave me a viewpoint of compassion for myself where I, it gets, again, it just gave me that break for a couple minutes where I could free myself. I could give myself the permission to be happy and to be okay. So I come back from there and I make it a couple weeks. I'm like, ah, life's good. I try to get into a routine, but again, I just have trouble freeing myself of it, okay. right? But it's like every time you get a little better, a little better, a little better. Like I had 30 years of self-hatred I'm dealing with, you know? Yeah. And you don't just fix that in a day. It no. just doesn't It doesn't happen. So I'm going through this again. And then I like that plant medicine, it really spoke to me. It helped me see myself as a spiritual being, like first of all. So then I hear about this uh, other plant medicine. It's called iboga. And uh, for opiate addiction, especially heroin, it actually is an interrupter for it. So people that do it don't go through withdrawal. Anyway, it's like, but it's like really bad for your heart. And there's like all these things that happen. But okay. I feel that's the calling that I need to go do. So I go to Costa Rica again, go to this place called Iboga Wellness. And I do it. And it's so intense. It was, wow. I lived every bad decision that I had made for my entire life, like basically what happens is whatever you ask for it. And I had never in my life ever felt at peace, ever one time. Uh, like there's always something going on in my head, like some hatred, bullshit words going on in my head my entire life that I could remember. I woke up the next day from that and I was sitting there comfortable with myself and I couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. I was sitting across from somebody and like a table and usually you're like, oh, this guy's thinking this, blah, blah, blah. I need to play with my phone. I need to do something to like, you know, so that I'm not in this thing. Actually here. After that, I was like, holy fuck balls. I can actually be present with myself. This is like ridiculous. So you took this plant-based drug, you faced, you lived all your bad decisions and you woke up the next day a changed person. I really yada 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 that experience, but it was so intense. Like you can ask it questions, and it will give you a, an answer from a spiritual point of view in your body. Like you know, like you're so you're connecting it. to your inner self essentially. You're connect, yeah, a hundred percent, yeah, I and love that. spirit and whatever the spirit of that medicine is. Like it's a different experience for everybody, but uh, yeah, crazy. So now I get back from that, and I am loving it. It's amazing. Life's good. I don't even feel like drinking. I actually am comfortable with myself. I can get out and be social. Life, life is just bright. Um, 
and it's great. And I mean, ever after, ever since then, it's been about six months now. And uh, there was two slips in between there. One came up on Christmas, and uh, like in the beginning of December, though, like kind of when I went to re- rehab the first time, and uh, another one before that. But uh, I feel healthy and well now. And the best part about those things is I think I needed to do them so that I could realize that I don't need that shit anymore. That's not yeah. how it is. And it's my choice to be who I want to be. So uh, it just yeah, was super powerful. And now I go to yoga every day. Like the self-care I have for myself now is amazing. So what, what is your self-care? Let's hear about that self-care because on the as superficial, like years ago, you know, you were, you didn't make bad, unhealthy uh, food choices. Like at least when I was with you, I mean, we, right. we drank every now and then, but like um, you were running with me like that on the outside seems like your, your self-care. So how has that right. changed? Um, well, that again is how you view your body, like and yes. how you view yourself and how you view life. Like, uh, like you said, like I looked like I had this great thing, but I was secretly eating a shit ton of candy. I was okay. doing stupid shit to my body, eating fucking tons <laughs> of ice cream and burgers. And like, I was doing shitty stuff to myself. Yeah. You know, like when I'd go running, I was like using that for freedom, but I'd beat myself up the whole time for not running very fast or you know, right. having to take a ton of breaks and like it was like I wasn't doing any self care. I was using all of these things for self care to give myself an excuse to hate myself some more. Right. And blah blah blah. So know? what is your definition like, of self care then? Um self care is living a life that you're that you're proud of. Okay. Like I go to do yoga because after I'm done, it helps me connect with myself. I feel good about it. I'm not doing it for any other reason than the reason of my own self-love when I meditate now, like I used to meditate militantly, you know, like after that thing, I was like doing it like it was like, it was going to change my life. Like I was expecting it to do something for me, but I do it for me now because like it gives me peace and I see all this stuff and life's good. You know, it's just, what are your instincts? What do your instincts? Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Um, what do your instincts say about these decisions? Like, like I know in a lot of uh, cases of addiction, your instincts are saying don't do it, but your ego is the the loud voice, the one right. that's sort of taking over. So now you've you've gone through this transition and you're able to recognize that you're capable of changing. So how did that voice change in you? Um, well, that happens. Um, actually, it's the understanding of ego. I didn't understand it was ego. Like your mind is this super elaborate thing and it's got lots of parts to it sure and it gives you can give power to any part of it that you want and uh your ego is the sneakiest little bastard ever (laughs) thinking that you're safe like when i was doing drugs it was my ego telling me like this is the right call bud get it fucking in yeah you can be safe you can be just comfortable you just got to get that drug in you and you're gonna just fucking live life perfect don't yeah. worry about, no, don't worry about that outside shit there, bud. No, I know you can't go outside yeah. and talk to people and blah, 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 but you're going to be totally good. And those you are know? the thoughts that were going through your mind. Oh, fuck, totally. Like, I didn't know that. It was just like, do the drugs, do the drugs, do the drugs. But um, yeah. that's, that's like the one thing that a lot of people, I think, don't realize is how many decisions you make in your day that you're not aware of and that are subconsciously, uh, like, influenced. 
You know, Absolutely. like when you're watching TV and you think that you buy Palmolive because you think it's the best brand, it's because somebody on TV told you that it was and you're like, oh, this Palmolive is the best, you know, but yeah. it's a decision that's, it, you make the decision, but it's made subconsciously in the back where you don't actually, aren't a part of the conversation. Right. You know? And that's where drug addiction is. It like happens, you know, back in the parts of your brain where you're not conscious of the decision. You're like kind of, you glaze over them and that's how you kind of end up in this. I think that that goes for all types of addictions. I mean, like food addictions, alcohol, drugs, like even sugar, even sugar. It's like the same process, maybe not at the same intensity or maybe like life threatening situation, even cigarettes like people. Why do people smoke cigarettes? It's bad for your health. There's five million articles. There's deaths. There's pictures on the cigarette packages now of like rotten people and and they still continue to to do it and that justification that judge versus the victim in your mind it's just such a powerful such a powerful part of the mind it's it's so interesting yeah and ego like it's funny when uh like it's a, the last time i did the drugs i went to see this spiritual person and she did a channeling for me and the person whoever i don't know if that word is real or whatever i think it is but mm-hmm. She goes to me, she goes, okay, did you use recently? I'm like, yes, I did, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, who used? You, your spirit, or your mind? I'm like, "Uh, well, my mind did, obviously. She's like, well, not obviously. Guess what? Your mind tricked yourself into thinking it was good so that you could feel bad about yourself. So blah, 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 blah. Right, right. Damn you, mind! I have control (laughs) over you. You you know? You just got to have to just live. Like, live in a place of presence. That's like my big thing right now is like, I would, like if you're in the past, I lived in the past before, yeah. literally driving along the road, every one of my thoughts was like something stupid I did or yeah. blah, 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 blah. It was all back there. Everything was like my whole life was just living in the past. It was like kind and of. That's so crazy, Ryan. How crazy is that, right? And then, or you know, I'd be living in the future, mm-hmm. like thinking all this shit. What if I did this? Oh, I don't want to get caught as a meth addict. Like all of this stuff. I was yes. never actually in this little space of where I am now. Uh, But it's funny now, I kind of babble a little bit because, um, yeah, I don't think about what I'm saying when I speak. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not thinking of the consequences of what I say. Anyway, uh, is where true happiness lies. It's just unbelievable. And it's so easy for me to say this type of stuff, but uh, I loved it, man. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's, it, I know now, like if you can just get past your ego, you can be happy and your ego was there. It was made whatever, however it's there, uh, for you to be able to experience things here. Right. Yes. Yes. And the awareness, the awareness of thought. And I, I was just actually reading something and I, I think I posted this in, in, uh, I talked about this in my, in my last podcast about happiness is, you know, when, when you're thinking in the future, I am a future thinker. That's where I go all the time. I wish for things to happen. Like I'm always right. wishing in the future for something to be something. And then I stress about it. Maybe it's not going to be that way or whatever. Um, but I'm definitely the past I'm, I'm getting, I'm at a point now where I can let it go. And yeah. now I, when I have my moments of, of, of fear and of doubt, it's because of the future. Um, so, so it's just, 
it was this 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 writer who talks about the future is just a fictitious place. It is not real. So how do you bring yourself back into your body and how do you be present? And, and he talks about breathing and how you can breathing, how your actual body is sort of the base. It's where you feel present. Yeah. It's not well, the mind. Yeah. It's how you experience the world. It's how you, know, you like experience the world. It's like the vessel. You only ever experience yourself, experience this world through you, you know, and we, like I always used to experience the world through everybody else what they thought of me or however. You know, it was an assumption actually... of what they thought of you. It was an assumption. It wasn't real. It was just it an assumption. Real. Yeah. And like, yeah, I played that of like how I would be like, I was trying to fool myself into being happy through other people. Yes. You know, like I was only ever doing things for somebody else. And uh, yeah, actually being, being in you or being with you. I still don't understand the whole grounding thing, but like, I get it. Like being in your body, being in your body. Yeah. Is a big deal. <laughs> it's cool. You chose to come here, in here, so that you could make all of these awesome experiences or choices or, yeah. So what is your biggest lesson through this whole thing? What at, In this moment, what is the biggest lesson? Biggest lesson is, is that we are uh, free will beings. You always have the choice. You can always make the choice. And uh, that there's no good or bad things that have happened. There's only experiences. So you can always uh, experience those things in a positive or negative way. And once you view them as experience, it will give you freedom to be able to have compassion for yourself. Yeah. And that compassion of just being able to experience the world from your point of view, good or bad, but having the awareness of that is the key to your freedom. And if you're feeling trapped with an addiction, that you can change. There's always hope. Nobody, you don't have to be your addiction your whole life. You can just be the awesome human that you were born. Yes. Do you forgive yourself? Absolutely. That's the only reason I'm free from addiction. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, that is so true. I, I do forgive myself. And uh, it's funny when people try to attack me about the shit that I've done in my past. Yeah. And it just rolls off me now. And it's like, I understand that was shitty. I, I, I can't that. change it anymore. That, you know, I have already beat myself up. I had actually a gnarly drug addiction for that shit. So yeah. don't worry about it. I took care I took care of your blame for you. Yeah. You can still, you can still feed it. But yeah, I don't feel that shit anymore because it's just them. Do, and, you, uh, do you recognize yourself as a strong person? Uh, I would say not really because... Uh, again, like being strong, all of this stuff is conflict. Right. Uh, there's there's no conflict anymore. I'm not fighting myself for anything anymore. It's just, I'm just being me, you know. And when I was fighting myself, it gave me something to have to fight against, which was the addiction. And uh, fighting that addiction, you're always thinking of it. So, of course, you're going to end up getting intertwined with it at some point, somehow, again, because you're pulling addiction into you you're worried that. about being an addict I love and, that. Uh, yeah there's no need to worry there's no fight so what piece of advice would you give an addict that you saw or 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 you can i could phrase it as what piece of advice would have resonated the most with you if you were to tell yourself if you were giving yourself advice back in the day 
like like five years ago, what piece of advice would have resonated with you the most? Just it's, it's okay. You know, I would just say it's okay. I would have really valued like a nice, real hug from like a compassionate point of view, like just some love. And so if, and I'll actually, um, when I was in the meth one, meth is gnarly, like, cause it turns out parts of your brain of ha- actual happiness, you know, I feel. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, when I quit meth, I actually was worried about never being able to be happy again. I was like, holy fuck, is this actually like, did I ruin my own happiness? Yeah. You know? And, uh, you didn't, it's always there inside and love is always there. And uh, your your happiness is all up to you. It's not it's not something. Uh, it's not an actual thing that you have to be afraid of not having again. Everything is going to be fine, no matter where you are in your addiction. You are one hundred percent going to be okay if you allow yourself some compassion for the things that you've done, and allow yourself to be loved. Allow yourself to be loved. Like that's the one, one of the things like you just don't even, you don't even want it from anybody. People can offer it and it comes from this fear, especially your close loved ones. Like, uh, they just want you to be happy so yeah. badly. But you have to be willing but, to accept it and to take it and to love yourself enough to, yes. And just be compassionate to yourself. Like you hate yourself, right? So like you can't take that love because you're like, oh, you love me, but you view me as an addict. What the fuck did I do? Oh shit. Yeah. But if you just understand that, it happened and you're going to, you can use it as a catalyst for spiritual awakening and really just give yourself the love, you know, I'll see the light and eventually it will happen. You know? Okay. So do you consider yourself to be a spiritual person? Uh, now? Yes. Yes. I do. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I believe it's an integral part of us that we have lost. Like there is way more to this world than we give credit. Yeah. And uh, I'm not so sure, like, I don't, like, I can't say 100% that any of it's true, that there's angels or, like, but I do believe in consciousness. I believe that uh, there are guides that come and help you, whatever you want to call them. Yes. And uh, there's something bigger than yourself here. And I believe that we come here for choice, you know? Like, um, when you do Iboga, it's this, like, you actually see spirit, I feel. And it you can talk to him. Yeah. And uh, so... And you're like, when you're on the other side of this physical existence, you actually have everything. You have everything, but also because you have everything, you don't have, you have nothing because it's not like, mm, I want some grapes, boing, grapes. <laughs> it's like grapes and they're, they're just there. There's no experience to be had because it's everything. It's infinity. So like as infinity, there's nothing actually happening. It's everything happening. I, I don't know that. if that makes sense. It, it does to me. It does to me. Yeah. I, I, so I, you come into this place and like earth is kind of supposed to be hard. Mm-hmm. People come here and like you're in it, but it's actually like you come here because it's an actual difficult plane. It's a difficult place. You're stuck with these bodies and ego and all of like this fucking shit that goes on here. Yep. You know, it's all designed to help you learn lessons and to find love. Yep. Like, can I come to this shithole yeah. and choose love? Can all this shit happen to me? Yep. And can I yes. choose love in the end? Yes. I love that. You were all here for the experience. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yeah. And yeah, and everybody has their experiences. Like, um, <clears throat> like say, like I went through a ton of shit, and mm-hmm. it was all gnarly. And I came out the end. Yeah. And there's probably more shit for me. Yeah. Know? Like as soon as I say, like, I'm so happy, it's just like the world's like, oh yeah, I want to try one more time. And you're yeah. like, oh sure, fuck, let's try. Hey, um, that's the way it goes. It ebbs and flows. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. ups and downs, and that's what makes life exciting. Um, yeah. that's, that's, you can never view somebody for having a tough time. Like some, everybody has problems because that's what you're here for. Like some people, they get to, they go to a restaurant and they're like, you don't have kale. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but to them, that is a big deal. Like that is, there's some lesson in there for them. And that's what they wanted to learn was like how to forgive someone for not having kale at a restaurant, whatever it is. Yes. But there's a bigger meaning in everybody and understanding that, uh, everybody has, issues no matter how big or small or easy you think they are to get over it's never easy for them and the world just needs more compassion uh like i don't know if you read the sarah silverman thing that was going on in the world or on twitter i didn't no okay so sarah silverman this guy texts her the word cunt okay just the word cunt and she texts back like uh i understand like i understand you must be really angry are you addicted to something blah 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 but she actually talks to the guy and like finds out that he's been hurt and he's like got this opiate addiction and like he does he just feels bad in life and that was him lashing out you know like she yeah. actually had compassion for this guy and helped him out helped him find some help in his town if the world just had a little bit more compassion like that it's so quick to judge like this world is it's just like yeah. all the trump shit i either hate him or love him like all <laughs> this like everybody's so quick to jump on a bandwagon of hate you know yeah, yeah. and it's just it gives you something like me saying all this stuff I'm sure there are going to be people that hear it and they're going to be like, what an asshole getting into a drug addiction. Yeah. But it's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. You weren't in my head. You didn't understand how much, how much pain I was in, you know, and I, I'm happier now and I'm kind of happy I did the drug addiction because if I wasn't in the drug addiction, I would still just be hating myself yeah. floating around doing shit just you know? in a different capacity it would have manifested in a different way whatever yeah like yeah whatever would have happened i would have driven like i caught a car accident or something something would have happened yeah because i wouldn't have wanted to be around anymore you know and so, this one was fixable so so what i have one more question for you i would yeah. i would like to know what is one of the positive affirmations or positive statements that you consciously say to yourself every day um well, that's the thing. I actually, uh, I'm at a point now where like I kind of just, I live in the experiences. So yeah. um, there's not a, like, a, sometimes I'm like, uh, yeah, like, so it's not one thing. Every moment in my life, like if I get reactive and I get like, I'm like angry, like this guy cuts me off. I'm like, oh, motherfucker. No, you know what? <laughs> This guy probably is in a little bit of a hurry. He probably doesn't get to have awareness of what he's doing. He probably just cut yep. me off. And, yeah, yeah. You know, no, 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 I'm not staying. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so honestly, I just try to catch myself in any of the negative stuff I try to do. I just try to catch it because I can't catch it all because, again, we a bunch of stuff goes on where I don't yep. even see it. It's all going on in the background. But when I get a chance to actually pay attention to it and be present with it, I try to give it light, try to like, you know, like actually make the positive choice. Right. You know, so there is some be, awareness. Be of the thought. compassion that I want in myself. I love you that. Know? Like what if that was me? Well, I do need to wrap this up a little bit. I really 
like you have such a beautiful story and I really believe that you know people that listen to this conversation will it will resonate with them like there is a lot going on in the mind there's a lot of things that people go through but they can come out and like you said earlier you are everyone is capable of change and there's always a choice and I personally from the outside like looking in I just think you're remarkable and anyone that can incorporate awareness and make those shifts I like to call it a shift in the, of the yeah. mind um it's it's a courageous thing it's a it's a big deal it is it is upping your vibration it's it's joining the conversation and being able to and what I love about you is your openness and your willingness to share your story in in the hopes of helping others like even if one person in this whole world can change because of you and your experience I think that that's like a magical thing to happen ah thanks cookie get it <laughs> Uh, change happens in small increments. Yes. When people go to rehab, people expect them to come out like fixed. It doesn't happen like that. It takes a long time. Like I'm a year out and I'm finally getting happy. And I've, if I had a slip again or whatever, it could happen. It's not yep. going to be the end of the fucking world. And like it's a process. And even people without addictions, that thing, like it, if you're just nice to somebody once a day, that becomes twice a day. You yes. catch yourself giving yourself something, just a nice little, like uh, when I was in the low, I went to see somebody and there was no positive, I had no positive memories, not one. Like I had two actually when my daughter was born and when I married my wife. That was like the two things I could remember that were positive. Yeah. The rest of it was just negative memories yeah. and it's just how I was viewing my life. Everything was really shitty Yeah. and to change that, it's just little bits of joy every day, teeny tiny, like wake up in the morning, look out the window, see a squirrel, you're like, oh, squirrel. Whatever that five seconds was, yeah. that's enough to make start making change. And eventually, year, whatever, it happens. But you can always just grasp with those little things, and those little things will become big things, and life will become more joyful moving forward. So, That is such a thing. powerful message. That is, that is it. Um, yeah. I, I do want to close it out by... You know, just sharing anyone that's received an email from me understands my message at the bottom. I don't know if you know this, Ryan, but um, you said a quote um, to me. It was kind of a team motto when we worked together. Um, but it's something that I actually think about all the time is is and this is what you said. This is the quote. Life is full of decisions. Was that a good one? <laughs> Yeah. Asking yourself. Exactly true. It's the, exactly true. Yeah. I love being it. Being aware of those decisions. That's like being aware. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But. Well, thank you so much. That was okay. awesome. Thanks, Cookie. Okay. Beaming well. beautiful light you are. <laughs> and right back at you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Ryan Snow, thank you so much for being so open and honest with your story. I love your message that anyone is capable of change and that there is always a choice to make a better life. You really are starting a movement by sharing what you've overcome. And by the way, I love your hashtag. It's hashtag happiness is work. It really is. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, that's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Doing this will help others find the show and start spreading the love. It would also mean so much to me. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Have a good day. Until next time.